2: Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network.
3: The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult.
0: Bingo. Okay. Hi there, I'm Jack Ward, and this special mini summer series is, of course, remembering Mark Brzee, one of the golden age of modern audio drama pioneers, and today I'm here with Ellie Hirschman, long time, a favorite actor in so many productions, including some of my own, and someone who has worked with Mark for a very long time as well. Ellie, how are you today?
4: I'm doing well. How about yourself, Jack?
0: I, I'm okay. It's, it's a strange time, a very busy time, and a thoughtful time as we think of our friend. There's so much to talk about, but this is the first chance you and I have had to talk face-to-face. And so I, I if you could tell the folks a little of your history with the modern audio drama movement first, how long have you been doing work with audio
4: drama? So I first got into audio drama and audio in general in 2004. Um, I took a community class led by someone from a group called creative voice development group. And they taught uh, how to make money with your mouth or, or some creative title like that. Uh, You know, voiceovers for fun and profit. Um, So a fellow named John Galogli came to my local uh, community center and gave this little introduction. And one thing led to another. Um, He trained me in uh, voiceovers and narrations. Um, And once I had that under my belt, I went looking for actual work, I shouldn't say that, but I, you know, i got a couple of paid voiceover gigs. I'm not sure to this day how I did it, but uh, somehow found my way into a studio. But to keep myself, you know, busy in between those kind of things, I, I knew that there was that there was audio drama back in the old days. You know, I used to flip through the radio, find some some old stuff. Um, and I found the Voice Acting Alliance group. Which uh, was a was a forum for voice actors back in the day, and saw some different uh, casting notices. The one that stuck out was the one that Eric Busby had posted for a couple of different things: a Doctor Who series, a Star Trek series, and from there, I I also hooked up with Dream Realm and Darker Projects uh, and a couple other groups, who some of whom are still around and some of whom have you know fizzled over the years. But uh, Darker Projects was my gateway into meeting Mark Brzee. Uh, I don't remember who beat who into there, but we were, you know, among the top five, either I was there first and he came on or, or the other way around, but, uh, it was a small group at that point. So we, we kind of got to know each other pretty quickly. Um, and so my first impression of Mark was that he was this veteran, you know, veteran actor who knew a lot more than all of us. Um, he had that gravitas to his voice. He had the, you know, and, and I hadn't spoken to him directly, you know, at, at any point uh, in the early days. We, you know, you just hear somebody's recording. You hear him doing the the introduction. And if you hear, you know, Mark's, uh, this is a Darker Projects production. <laughs> like you think, okay, that's the way he talks when he goes to the grocery store. He's like, I'd like a zucchini, please. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. after a while, I did speak to him on the phone. You know, we call, I called him up and we chatted. And he was just, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was your grandpa, he was your uncle, he was your brother. He was, he, he, he just fit, you know, you had a place in your heart. And then Mark was in it just yeah, instantly.
0: Know, it's so funny when you're talking about him because the first thing that comes to my mind is like, he's a, he was a steadying force. Like, you know, if you felt nervous about something, he was, just some you could feel much more comfortable that whatever you were doing he was in it with you and that was i forgot about just how steadying that is in that respect it was wild when he came to me to talk about leap audio because i thought you're, you're asking me about whether or not you should do something. I'm, I'm the one who's always asking you. And so right, right, I, right. I get that feeling. Coach. So what was the first projects? Because you both worked on, like you said, Darker Projects and Dream Realm was when I first sort of ran into your, your name and listening to yourself early, early on, when there was like maybe a handful of people on, on the internet that was doing audio drama. Right, right, right. Uh, what was the first show that you guys appeared together in?
4: So the first one we appeared together in was, uh, well, I'm going to take a step back before that. Okay. Um, we probably were in Star Trek together on on Eric's uh, on Eric's series on Darker Projects, but I don't have a strong memory of Mark from there. I, I remember him stepping in and saying, um, "I check with Eric, and there's a series that I'd like to do." And it's an anthology series. Um, I want to call it Night Terrors. And it's, you know, stories that last anywhere from 15 minutes to a half hour, unconnected, um, just stuff that you do for fun. A one shot, you know, and each week it would be something new, um, which fit exactly with the mold of old time radio that I was familiar with, you know, from lights out to Ah, uh, the creaking door to all these different, uh... and everything, yeah, exactly. Sure. So the old style stuff, and you know that fit with my impression of Mark. He was, you know, an old timey type of guy who, you know, who knew how the how the business was run. But um, he, I was surprised at the first script he picked because it was this. It, I mean, it could have been, it could have been on on any one of those old time radio shows, but. It had a modern twist to it. It was just somebody sitting in a chair with voices interrogating him, these disembodied voices. And it was it had a political edge to it. Uh, you know, Mark got a little I think got a little bolder in his statements as he went on, especially when he got to leap audio. he was right. he was there to make a point and to and to make sure the voices were heard. But this one was was much more subtle. But I said that's that's not all that exciting are people going to be into it? And the end product spoke for itself. It was very gripping. It, it, it did the trick. Um, so I was impressed that all of a sudden there's this guy, Mark Bruzy, and he says, okay, I'm starting a series. It just seemed to c- to come together and click really fast. And I was like, okay, this guy's got initiative. Um, and then the next episode, so I was, I, I think I was in that episode, but there were like tw- 12 voices or something. So it was just kind of a mix. The next episode was one called "The Bug Doctor," and this was a this is a classic, you know, gross out type of uh, <laughs> type of horror story, which again would have fit perfectly in with any of those old time series. For sure. Um, and this one was was I don't know he he found these stories. He didn't write them, so I don't know where he found these authors, but they had just the the greatest edge to them, and they were again that balance of old timey and modern and. Funny but scary, you know, just a great pick. And uh, he cast me as as a doctor in there, as an entomologist. And I said, uh, "It says in the notes, uh, like Eastern European. Should I do an accent?" And he encouraged me to do an accent. And that was, you know, I, I always loved doing accents, but I was like, "Does is this really appropriate? Is this going to sound convincing enough?" But he he was very encouraging. He said, "Yeah, do do the accent," um, and. That that kind of attitude of, yes, I'm going to go start a new series. Yes, I'm going to find some swell authors with good scripts. Yes, I'm going to bring in people from my local community theater. There was somebody, um, I can't remember her name, Victoria something, that he brought in. In Auburn, she was in community theater with him. And so he said, well, why not make the leap, You know, oh, pardon the pun, over to uh, voice acting with me. For sure. And uh, she was great. He was great. And it all it all came together, and I was like, "Wow, is it that, e- that sorry? Is it that easy to put together a series and and make it happen?" And I think it was just Mark; he made it look that easy. He just he he took a chance, and that was something I look I learned from him as well, is that if you kind of step up, you just step step forward and, and volunteer. Yeah. You can you can do some stuff, and people will let you do it.
0: And people don't know how difficult it was in those early days of. Not only do we not did people not have a history other than old time radio to look towards, but the tools were so primitive compared to what we have now. Can you speak to that aspect of like the production, recording, and how difficult it was? Even the mics, every, so many different mic problems, where you just getting the people to sound like they were in the same room was almost impossible back then.
4: Right. So I remember I started out with a Logitech mic. Um, a USB mic, which was probably under $30. It was a little like the stick would point towards your face and you had to speak into it. Then I realized you needed a pop screen so that you didn't boop, 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 boop all over your recording. And so, you know, I knew I was getting started on the cheap, but I was working my way up towards something. So then I bought uh, like a Samsung CU-140 mic or something like that. And I got myself a pop filter, uh, a mic stand, so I felt like I gradually grew into it and I didn't have anybody giving me feedback on my quality. So I imagine there's some really lousy quality recordings of me from the first days. Um, Although
0: I love that. I love the innovativeness of dream realm where they just leaned into it with robots of the company. Cause it just, meant mm-hmm. they had, the, the robots had a bad voice box. It was perfect. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
4: that was part of the genius of, of, of John also, John, Jonathan, um, Patrick, Russell. Jonathan, say it again
0: Jonathan patrick russell that's the
4: one that's the one. so he <laughs> he did a lot of you know make do with what you have there was a lot of you know he would get the best actors for the parts and maybe they weren't the most professional maybe they didn't have the best equipment but he he put it together I, the way eric would call it he was a cobble something together like <laughs> uh that was his that was his um that was his take on my character in darker projects uh these st- section 31 files it was a chief engineer who would just throw things together and see what worked. He would cobble a warp engine together. So Mm -hmm. I felt like we were sort of doing that in the old days. Um, So there were some, there were some sketchy sounding recordings here and there, but there were three people who always had the highest quality. And that was Eric Busby, Chris Snyder, who became his main post producer and Mark. Like I could never hear anything off in any of the recordings. I don't know what equipment Mark was using at the beginning, but he always, he was, he was the consummate pro, it seemed. Uh, his sound was always good. His delivery was always on target. And so that was my impression like, okay, this guy is going to keep our level of, of quality, to, you know, keep us to hold us to a standard. Yeah. And um, all of
0: those people were in darker projects. And it's one of the reasons mm-hmm. why darker projects has lasted as long as it has, you know, uh, people who looking back um, who, who I have conversations with people in Reddit and they talk about all these great audio dramas, but they've only audio dramas that have lasted in the last four or five years. I'm like, you really don't understand the audio drama movement unless you understand all the shows that have been happening from the past and where they've built on and where they've created stuff because this stuff doesn't come in a, in a vacuum, right? So there's these things, it's kind of like somebody saying, well, yeah, I'm a movie you know, buff, but I've only watched anything that's on streaming services today. You know, mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. it's a whole different world. So.
4: And I think the fact that we are calling it audio dramas and not saying podcasts indicates right. that we you know, we had a grander scope in mind, I guess. Not that it would reach more people necessarily, but it would have a, a greater weight to it. It would be more of a movie for your ears rather than just a, a weekly download, which, which might not have any pizzazz to it.
0: For sure, for sure. As we wanted to do something, at least I know that in my head, I wanted to do something that would rival movies for the ear, as opposed to just create content, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that people would listen to and get a hold on. So, 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 tell me, um, how did have you? Was your relationship with Mark has it continu- continued up until his passing? Were you guys still working on stuff?
4: So, um, we. When I still lived in the U.S., because I moved to Israel in 2012, um, <clears throat> uh, during those first roughly 10 years, I guess between when I started in audio drama and when I picked up and moved, um, it was mainly darker projects. And so Mark and I did get to work very heavily together, you know, on on various projects, um, in his his pet project, uh, Generation One, in his adaptation of the Falcon Banner. By Christopher Patrick Lyden. Um we'd
0: love to replay that on on mutual. That was a fun That's a good to...
4: one. Yeah. yeah. Um and so uh we were definitely in in constant contact whether it was by email or Yahoo Messenger I think we had at the time. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and then eventually phone calls. You know, I, I was a little bit phone shy but got over that once it was once I realized how fun it was to talk to Mark because he was always just so so cheerful. Um and we did keep in touch for a while. Uh, things started to change. I don't know, along about 20, 2009, nine, two thousand ten. Um, both in terms of darker projects had grown to a point where there was a kind of split, where some people wanted to do more of this, some people wanted to do less of that. Um, so I kind of took a, a, a back pedal at that point and didn't, you know, didn't want to get into a into a, a rift or anything like that. So. Right. Uh, I think we we sort of drifted apart at that point, uh, just because we weren't working on the same stuff. Uh, he was in my, you know, he was in my phone, my flip phone back in those days, so I I knew that I could call him at any point, and I did check in with him. But uh, when I when I moved in twenty twelve, uh, we we hadn't had much contact at that point. Uh, there was a point uh, a couple of years later that MJ and Mark wanted to you know, revive some of the stuff that we had been working on in darker projects, which included night terrors, this anthology that that I loved so much, um, include five minute fears, which was, I think, Chris Snyder's take on it, or maybe that was Paul Mannering. One of them said, let's make it even shorter. Let's give them a bite of horror mm-hmm. and that's it. And it was these really well-crafted tiny little snips of flash fiction. Um, so they wanted to revive that. I, I, Taking from Mark's example, I stepped up and said, well, we don't have a script manager and we're getting some real trash coming through here with formatting nightmares and spelling atrocities all over the place. So uh, I took it upon myself to be the one that they submitted scripts to. I edited them because I was already doing it for Eric because Eric has very unique um, grasp of spelling and, the, and of the English language. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind saying. Very creative, yes.
0: huh? So what... So what... He, what structure did you use? Did you just use Word, or did you use a, a software of some sort that everybody was filtering into the format things? Like, how did you? What it? What
4: there were the more there were the more official formats, but I didn't get into those. Eric had a great format, which was just Word, but with you know different uh, column, uh, different heading types for different stage dir- directions and, and characterization. Um, so I just took his template, and that's what we were using. Okay. Um, so I was seeing all the scripts come and go and I organized a script review committee. So Mark was on that. MJ was on that. Um, and I put up a rubric that said, you know, this is what it needs. It needs to have a uh, horror themed. It needs to have a twist at the end. It needs to be not pure narration. There's gotta be some, you know, some dialogue and, and acting involved. Um, and so I had, I had this whole collection of scripts, both approved and rejected. Um, So when MJ and Mark wanted to start it again, I said, well, I have all of these queued that are just sitting on my external hard drive. Why don't we go with that? So it was, it really looked like we were going to get into something again. And it it didn't seem to pan out. I think we might've put out one or two more episodes, but it did not pan out. And, and towards the end I had, uh, I, you know, I had friended him on, on Facebook. So I would see his updates once in a while and I would send him a, you know, how you doing message or regards to David, his husband, but that was about it. So it really was kind of out of the blue, surprising and shocking when I heard about his passing.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was a knife strike. I just I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I think so many people like you we, we talked about doing stuff with them. And, you know, he had some health issues that we were waiting to see resolved before we moved forward. It, the last thing in my head was that he would be gone and taken from us mm-hmm. So um, When I said it, Eric was on Facebook was the person who basically Let me know because I was just like I saw Eric's post and I was like no This is it's like Bill. This has got to be a joke like there's, yeah. there's no reason this is this can't possibly happen. So um, Yeah, I, it was just denial in that respect. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry uh, for the loss of your friend I just want to tell you that Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry for the long-term friends. You you knew Mark much longer than I did, even um, at least closer in the same way. So that's that's really hard, and and I'm sorry for that. What did you have for us to listen to today? Uh,
4: so I, I mentioned it, and it's one of the episodes of of Night Terrors. There was a great selection, and I, I urge you to go and listen to some of the back catalog there. But that first one that 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 I was in the the Bug Doctor. It just had all the classic elements. It you know it had some of the, the voices in there weren't necessarily all the ones you'd hear over and over again. There were a couple of uh, of handpicked ones that Mark had put in there. His friend Victoria, I forget who played the lead, but it wasn't one of our main players, and of course me. You know that's, um, I just think it's it's a fun one. It just sums up exactly what Mark had in mind, and like all the episodes of Night Terrors, his is the fo- first voice you hear in the episode, introducing it in in a character that he called Harbinger which very creepily told you what you were in for and then laughed unmercifully at the very end of the episode after unleashing horror upon you, okay. which was just a perfect package at that point.
0: Yeah, and we're so grateful in, on Mutual that we've played all of Night Terrors on Tuesday Terror. So it's, for those people who haven't had a chance to listen to it, we're going to play it right now in a moment. And it's it's a it's a great time to see... Um, you guys at the top of your game at the beginning mark of what you guys were doing, it's fantastic. What are you working on now? Before we we leave you, what where else can people find
4: you? So I appear semi regularly on the No Sleep podcast, mm-hmm. uh, weekly horror fiction podcast that has free offerings and then a little bit more for uh, for a, a membership, a very low price membership I might add. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a cluster of storytelling groups called the Escape Artists um, that has PodCastle, Escape Pod, Pseudopod, and now Cast of Wonders. So I've...
0: cat last one, Cast of Wonders. What's the genre on that?
4: That is for young adults. Gotcha. That is, could be any, you know, not a strict uh, genre-based one, but right. anything that's not uh, inappropriate for the younger age, that's kind of a gateway to more audio drama for the younger generation yeah
0: for those who don't know escape pod is science fiction it's the first one that came out i believe pseudopod came out after that and castle, that's horror and that's horror and then castle pod is fantasy um and and so that's that's awesome that you're involved in those those are those are classic and great shows Mm-hmm. cool and and hopefully i can get you back doing stuff with my stuff that would be fun
4: That'll be fantastic. I'm loved here.
0: Having you, I loved having you in Biff Straker. I think you played one of the <laughs> one of the Rat Men at one point recently. Oh it was yeah. Fun. <laughs> recently, I say it was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ellie. It's it's so great to to talk to you of voice to voice and see your face. Uh, this is a terrible reason to do so. Uh, we should try. Very hard to uh, connect more often as as we always get caught up with things. But thank you for taking the time to talk to me about our mutual friend, Mark, today. And I hope you do well.
4: I think Mark would be happy that we're joining together on audio to talk about him or anything else. So let's keep doing it in his name.
0: Just had my heart. You're absolutely right. He totally would be. Thank you, sir. Mm -hmm.
4: Take care. All right. Take care, Jack.
0: Bye now.
3: away from sunlight, you are in a land of darkness and fear, somewhere between waking and sleeping on Night Terrors. Night Terrors, an anthology of horror and suspense. Tonight's episode, The Bug Doctor, written by Steve Shiro.
5: Like when you found him.
2: He looked almost peaceful, you know, for being dead. I didn't know that though. From where I was standing, it looked like he was moving, breathing. I got closer and he was covered.
5: In books.
2: Yes.
3: This is Ross Harris. He's sturdy, upwardly mobile, and at his wife's insistence. He seen a psychiatrist. But Ross believes that he suffers from a strange addiction. And the proof he needs to convince the psychiatrist and his family can only be obtained from the bug doctor.
5: Tell me about your father.
2: He was a good man. Hard-working. Like you? No, not like me. My dad, he he never missed a day of work in his life. He was just one of those kinds of people. He was a great husband. And father? Well, sure. When I was a kid, back when we lived in Cleveland, everyone in the neighborhood knew I had the best dad. Every Saturday, he'd take me and my brother up to the park and we played baseball. All the kids would come up and play with us.
5: But then you moved? Yeah. And were things the same when you came to Portland? Almost. And did you still play baseball then?
2: Yeah. Until... Until what? You know what. Until what? He managed that factory for 30 years. 30 goddamn years. You would have done the same thing. Anyone would have done the same thing. He wasn't happy in Portland. No one was happy in Portland. We all wanted things back to the way they used to be.
5: What did he look like when you found him?
2: He looked almost peaceful. You know, for being dead. I didn't know that, though. From where I was standing, it looked like he was moving. Breathing. I got closer, and he was covered. In bugs? Yes.
5: What did his face look like from where you were?
2: I couldn't see the face right away. I recognized his red flannel shirt. He was face down by a tree. I didn't see any blood or anything, so I got closer. I called his name a few times, and then I pushed him over with my foot. His body turned, and that's when I saw his face. It was... it was covered. They were in his eyes, his mouth.
5: His nose?
2: Yeah. Uh, No, no, no. I see what you're trying to do now, and that is not true.
5: Really? Not true, you say? Let's ponder this, Ross. You, as a boy, have the traumatic experience of finding the body of your father. His body is covered in maggots, specifically in his nose. And now you're going around telling everyone that you... Let's just say you are the craziest sane person I know, Ross. Your wife tells me you were hurting yourself again. She's lying. And I suppose the blood on the collar of your shirt is just my imagination?
2: They give me nosebleeds.
5: Do you know that your wife was asking me if she was going to have to have you committed? Hell, if you were any other man, I would have to tell her yes.
2: I'm not crazy.
5: No, you're not. You're emotionally scarred. We can work through this. We're starting to make great progress in these sessions. In a few months, I think these delusions may cease and you can move on with your life.
2: Delusions? Read my lips. I'm not crazy. Just wait. You, Miranda, my kids, you'll all owe me a huge apology.
5: And why is that?
2: I sent a sample to Dr. Morris.
5: Morris? Never heard of him.
2: He's a different kind of doctor. He's an entomologist. A bug doctor.
5: Why embarrass yourself like that? You know what? Good. Maybe when this scientist tells you that there is nothing wrong with you, that there are no bugs, then you'll let me help you
2: some very good specimens.
5: Last time you showed the emergency room staff the good specimens? Where did that get you? They wouldn't even know
2: what to look for. They weren't even listening to me.
5: They wouldn't know what to look for, huh? Well, they certainly knew to look for self-inflicted wounds. And you know damn well that all that damage done to your nasal passages was done by you, Ross. Not these bugs you keep talking about. Your family is scared. And frankly, so am I. Any more of these episodes, and we're going to have to consider treatment. In a facility.
2: You'd throw me in the loony bin, would you, Doc? Well, just you wait. Give me a day, and you'll see.
5: You should go sailing, Ross. Sailing? You worked too hard. These bugs didn't come until you accepted that new position. It's all nerves. Take a week off. Go sailing. Take a vacation from your problems. A week off? What, do you want me to get canned?
2: I have too much responsibility in my company to take a week off. Maybe you're the crazy one, Doc. Oh,
5: and look. Our time's up. So it is. I'm upping your meds, Ross. Remember, one more strike.
2: Sure, Doc.
6: specimens in this solution here are brine shrimp. What makes these creatures so remarkable is the fact that they can survive in even the harshest of environments. The solution is sailing, about the same as salt water. Hell, they've been spotted living in crude oil spills in Alaska. Amazing creatures.
0: Fascinating.
6: Indeed. That's the one place insects never seem to really adapt to, the ocean. They'll be fine in this tank for now. What else came in the mail today?
0: I think this padded envelope is the last of them.
6: What the... Oh, God.
2: The, uh... The chicken's good.
1: Thanks. It's a new recipe.
2: So, uh, how long are the kids going to be at your mother's?
1: Oh. I don't know.
2: What do you mean you don't know?
1: I just don't know, okay? I think it would be best if they just stayed over there for a while until this whole thing blows over. I don't want them to see you like this.
2: Oh, my God, Miranda. Like what? Can't you just believe me for once? And today, I'll prove it. You know what? Thanks for reminding me. I have a phone call to make.
1: Ross, please.
2: You know, it didn't bother me when people started saying I was crazy. Until you started believing me.
0: Morris's office. Yes, one more, please.
6: It's him. This is doctor Morris. Hello, hello. Yes, I-, I received your sample. No, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I'm not too sure what I am looking for. I, I see. It has happened before. It's not impossible. Gangrene can be danger... Oh, oh, you don't... Have you been to a doctor? You know I'm not a medical doctor. I see. No, I do believe you. I've seen some very severe cases where... Your psychiatrist? You know, I had better give him a call. Evans? Never heard of him. Oh, uh, can you give me her number? I can't ethically do anything until I've spoken with her. I I know you understand. No, no, I'll look at it as soon as you give me her number. Okay, five, five, five. Four, three, four, five. Got it. I'm going to get right on this, Mr. Harris. What did he want? <sighs> it was just as I suspected. I get strange requests like this from time to time. You have to be very careful when dealing with these kinds of people. What kinds of people? Crazy people.
5: to the both of you. This was our best session yet. Thank you, Doctor, for
1: all your help. See you next time?
3: We're going to have to reschedule next week's session. Uh, There's a meeting I just can't get out of.
1: Doctor Evans, there's a call for you on
6: line one. It's a Doctor Morris.
5: Just see my secretary on the way out. I have to take this call. Hello?
6: Hello, this is Dr. Morris from Rapala University. I just spoke with one of your patients.
5: Ross Harris?
6: Yes. Did you know about this?
5: He threw your name out in his session this morning. He seems to think you'll believe his condition.
6: Should I take this man's claim seriously?
5: I wouldn't waste your time looking at whatever Ross sent you. The man is stressed out. Burnt out. Just call him back and tell him everything is okay. That's all he wants to hear.
6: Are you sure that's a good idea?
5: Who's the shrink here? It'll be fine. Just make sure he believes you. Wait a few hours. Call him back. Lie to him.
6: Is that really ethical?
5: Does it matter if it's ethical? Just let the man sleep at night, for Christ's sake.
6: In all fairness, I have to analyze that sample he sent me. There have been cases of insects living in the human body, uh, though none as strange as what he has described.
5: You don't know Ross like I do. He's always into something. He's one of those conspiracy theorists. The government this, the CIA that. Hell, the man thinks he's seen aliens before. Rational people don't think like that. He's easily led. His story is fake, Doctor.
6: If every scientist had that ideology, we would never have made any of our modern medical breakthroughs. If you can't fathom the idea that a cure for cancer exists, then you sure as heck won't find it. I'm not like you, Evans. I won't just lie to a man because it will make him feel better. This is science we're talking about. What if he's not lying?
5: It's four o'clock. What time do you normally go home each night? Five. So you can spend the rest of the night looking for something that isn't there, or you can just call the man, tell him what he wants to hear, and we can all sleep soundly knowing we help salvage a man's sanity.
6: His sanity is your problem, Evans. Bugs are mine.
5: Do what you want. But when he calls me at three in the morning, I'll refer him to you.
2: What's this?
1: A condo in Florida. Look, it's right up on the beach. We can walk on the shore as the sun sets, or get up early for a morning swim. It would be relaxing and romantic, and it's been so long since we- We've gone over this, out of
2: the question. Don't you realize how important my job is? I just can't go waltzing off to Florida for a week, my third week on the job.
1: Ross, you need a vacation. I need a vacation.
2: Absolutely not.
1: Fine. The kids and I will go out on our own little vacation, without you. I could use a break from the irrational for a week. Laying on the beach in the sun, that's rational. That makes sense to me. You know, Dr. Evans says you're sick, that you have a disease. But I think the only disease here is your stubbornness. Everything doesn't have to go your way, Ross. You can listen to other people or, God forbid, change your mind about things. I... I can't take much more of this.
3: So you're going to do it?
6: Yes. That psychiatrist wants me to lie. It's unethical. People do this all the time in our field, Samuel. They want us to stretch the truth. They don't care about anything you say, unless it suits their needs. And if it doesn't, they try to manipulate your conclusions. I won't do it. Now give me that sample. Shit! What have you done? Now this entire take is contaminated. (sighs) It's going to be nearly impossible for me to analyze that sample now.
5: What are you gonna do now?
6: My name is Ed Morris, and I am calling from Rapallo University. May I speak to Ross Harris, please?
1: (sighs) At least someone wants to talk to you.
2: Hello?
6: Hello, this is Dr. Morris again.
2: Oh, doctor, I've been expecting
6: your call. What did you find? Well, that's what I wanted to call you about. My assistants and I have been running tests for hours. The uh, carbon K-12, the Ritman scan, using nothing but the finest telescopic equipment. All standard tests for this sort of thing. I'm happy to inform you that they all came back negative.
2: The Ripman, huh? What's involved in that?
6: I don't want to bore you with the details. It's 100% accurate, I assure you.
2: 100%? I didn't think tests were that accurate.
6: The the bottom line is, sir, you are bug-free. I guarantee it. There are many possibilities as to why you feel like you have insects in your nasal passages. Allergies, for example.
2: So you're sure about that?
6: Absolutely.
2: Well, I trust you, Doctor. You're the only one who believed me in the first place.
6: Well, I'm glad you trusted me.
2: I'm just on nerves right now. My new job is killing my brain. And my marriage. I just want to be the best, you know? I just want people to respect me. I've wanted that my whole life. I wanted to work hard and make something nice for my family, like... like my father. You know... My psychiatrist prescribed me some good medication, and I'm going to take it.
6: You know, I'm not real familiar with antidepressants.
2: Sailing. And I know a perfect little condo in Florida where I can rest and take a week off with my wife and relax on the beach.
6: That sounds like a good idea.
2: And who knows? Some businessmen may soon be contributing some money for your research.
6: Oh, it's not really necessary. I'm just glad I could help.
2: I hate to cut you off, doctor, but I have some packing to do.
6: No, no, I understand. Have a great vacation.
2: Thanks. Bye. Miranda? Miranda!
1: What do you want?
2: I want you to go with me to Florida, right now.
1: What? Are you serious?
2: Very. Now go pack. I want to leave as soon as we can.
1: (laughs) I can't believe you're doing this. Whoever that was on the phone, God bless his heart.
2: Where's your cell phone? Leave it. I'm leaving mine. I don't want any distractions. Just you and me.
1: I think this is the nicest thing you've ever done for me. I love you, Ross.
2: And I love you. Now let's get packing.
6: Well, Samuel, it's 5.30. What do you say we get out of here? Sounds good to me. Make sure you turn off all of the equipment.
4: What about the tank?
6: I'll have the cleaning crew come in tomorrow and get it for me. I'm going to lock the lab tonight, so everything should be fine. To be safe, why don't you cover the tank with something?
5: Professor, the tank. It's filled with hundreds of...
6: bugs. What do you mean? It has... Oh, dear lord.
2: You got everything?
1: Yep, everything's in the car. And my mom has no problem with watching the kids for another week. So, do you have the condo booked?
2: Well, let's worry about that when we get there. For now, let's just go.
1: Race you to the car. <laughs>
2: family. Please record your message after the beep and we'll call you back.
6: Bye. Ross, I need you to listen carefully. You were right the entire time. Your sample was accidentally spilled into a saline solution. Salt water, Ross. There is something living in your blood. I don't know what, uh, but whatever it is, it thrives in the salt. That's what brings them to life. Just, just don't leave your house, okay? Uh, and whatever you do, don't go to the ocean. Stay in your home these things that live inside you. I've never seen anything like them. They, they feed on- Oh God. Oh God.
3: Because people really are after them. But what about hypochondriacs? Would Ross fit into that category? The category that says it really wasn't just in his head. You have been listening to Night Terrors, an anthology of horror and suspense. The Bug Doctor, written by Steve Shira. Featured in the cast were Victoria Sampson as Dr. Evans, Morgan Jeffrey as Ross, Ellie Hirschman as Dr. Morris, Chris Snyder as Samuel, and Laura Post as Miranda. Also heard were Miriam Snyder and Mark Brzee as the married couple. The series is directed by Mark Brzee. Post-production is supervised and realized by Chris Snyder. The executive director of Darker Projects is Eric Buzz. Night Terrors is a Darker Projects production. So until next time, sleep well. Coming soon from Darker Projects Productions. I hate putting the children into stasis like this. We have no choice. The doctors say that the viruses that have been created will kill everyone if we don't place them in the biodomes. So there is no hope for us? None. We are already infected. We'll be dead in weeks. Stasis would only prolong our suffering. Then let's get this done. Did the Guardians give any projection when the Earth would have healed itself? None. These stasis chambers should support them for 250 years. At least that gives them a chance. If there is any chance that is. In the year 2115, the Earth went mad. Volcanic eruptions, tidal waves, massive pockets of radiation all erupted on the surface. Many people were placed in stasis and biodomes to wait out the cataclysm and await the day that humans would reclaim the Earth. But what awaits them? Did anyone or anything survive from the old times? How will they live? This is the story of Generation Genoa.